0: Hello, Spacers, from Austin, Texas, I'm Christopher Schmidt, and it's our 100th episode. And we're not doing anything special for it, so that's great. Uh, Not to say that our guests aren't special, Uh, joining me today is Simon St. Laurent, content producer at linda.com, and Chris Enns, our producer extraordinaire and host of his own show. Show Me Your Mic podcast. And rather than spending uh, some time looking back at some lame clip show uh, going over our last 99 episodes, uh, we'll do that another time, probably. Uh, We'll just catch up on some recent stories and headlines and uh, just catch up with some old friends. How about that? Sounds good, huh? Before we get started, some notes on where I'll be and some words from our sponsors. Uh, Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Teleject, T-E-L-E-J-E-C-T. That's Christopher Schmidt, is on Twitter, at Teleject, T-E-L-E-J-E-C-T. I'll be emceeing the SAS Summit, which is a full-day, virtual front-end UX design conference. You can attend online, on your mobile device, on your desktop, wherever you are in the world, as long as you have a decent internet connection, on December 14th. Uh, You get free recordings when you register, at sassummit.com to be so great. We're talking about design systems. We're talking about topography, uh, responsive topography. We're talking about uh, living with web animations as a style guide. Uh, just accessibility. Uh, just, just a whole lot of great stuff. So definitely check it out. Also, set it and forget it with a non-breaking space show newsletter. So whenever a new show comes out, just get notified right away. with an email in your inbox. It's just And it's awesome. Just say, hey, new show. Let's, let's go take a listen to it. Uh, go to newsletter.nonbreakingspace.tv to sign up. As always, for the show that you're about to listen to, you can find the notes and links at nonbreakingspace.tv. As always, thank you for subscribing, commenting, liking, and telling others about the Nonbreaking Space show on iTunes. Now, on with the show. 100. 100. One hundred, one hundred, one hundred. Oh yeah, but I was here. Uh, so we have with us uh, Chris Enns. Oh. Hello, sorry. There go. Thank you. <laughs> sorry. Hello, Chris Enns. Hello. Uh, and then uh, Simon St. Laurent. Hi there. Okay. And uh, this is our, I guess, our unofficial, unofficial 100th episode that we're recording. So, Ooh. yeah, it's it's been pretty amazing. So usually I this like Chris knows it pretty well, I I usually have these elaborate plans for a special episode. It's like, it's a winter celebration. We'll just get this massive, you know, we'll license a song and, you know, a heavy metal Christmas song. And we'll just <laughs> do something really cool, We we'll get some like, you know, outtakes of the year and the 100th episode came along, I was just like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. <laughs> I was just like, but I'll just, I just invite uh, Chris and uh, Simon, who I love talking to, and I'll just like, we'll just chat and see what's up going on in the industry. And I feel like that's that's nothing better than what I would like to do. So, so here we are, 100, 100 episodes in. Uh, we've clearly changed the world for better. Um, anything new with you guys at all? winter, winter has arrived and then left, and and fall
1: is back, and then I think we're coming <laughs> again. So we're we're kind of oh, on yes. the Game of Thrones loop here. Wow!
2: <laughs> yeah, we had so. snow yesterday morning, but it's gone, and tomorrow's supposed to be like sixty-five. So, it's oh, just... yeah. oh yeah, pretend. Okay.
0: yeah, because it's still it's still like uh, eight degrees in Austin, Texas, and then uh, we're flying out to New York City next week, um, just for like a quick work vacation type of thing just for a couple of days and then just like it's snowing or something out there i'm like oh it happening?
2: won't really be snowing It'll i was
0: like well, i just want to be like 70s that's okay this i don't want to be too cold so.
2: actually my, my favorite times in new york are when a snowstorm shuts down the city it gets really nice oh really like, what yes no one's that is everyone outside just having a good time or is it just pretty much yeah. there's not much else you can do and the subway still works so you know well to a certain point they do anyway
0: yeah Oh man. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Looking forward to uh, hopefully. I'm not looking forward to some ways. I can tell that much right now. So, uh, but uh, cool. Looking for a good time there. And then, uh, and as also, I saw the, the snow uh, that you took a photo of, and I immediately thought, like, I can't wait for your snow, your ice sculptures.
2: So yes, you know. the ice lanterns will come out as soon as I have a stretch of weather below 20 degrees. And <laughs> I, I don't think I'm going to have that for a couple months. So that's okay. I don't think so either. I don't
0: think so either. I like, I didn't, I didn't want to email you either. Like, Hey, I saw your phone. Oh,
2: a bunch of people did already. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No.
0: Is there
1: like a crowdfunding way we can support more ice sculptures or something?
2: <laughs> well, have mine, mine are pretty clouds. simple. I just, I just have these molds that I put water in and I leave them outside to freeze. Yeah. And they make nice candle things and I put a vote of candle in them and they just, they make awesome photos. It's like the world's easiest photography. Take 10 shots of an ice lantern and you will get something worth looking at for more than a few seconds.
0: <laughs> well, so Your anyway. like
2: life hacks, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, well, uh, let's go through the top news stories. Uh, first one up is uh, vine is quote discontinuing the mobile app. I guess that's, I guess Twitter owned vine, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, I've never really gotten into Vine that much. I mean, I did try to experiment when it came out. Um, I have I think I think Chris is probably like the Snapchat expert between between us three. So, like what is your hot take on well, Vine? Well, I was
1: I was kind of like like you guys seem to be when the news broke that it was discontinuing or they were shutting it down or whatever. Yeah. I was kind of like, "Eh, but then last night actually I started going back through the Vines I had posted over the years, and it has been two or three years I think since Twitter bought it." Mm-hmm. And I was surprised actually how much stuff I had. And then also just, you know, as a, with a family kids that i post over the years, so I started re tweeting or vining, whatever those on Twitter, <laughs> just in, as most people were doing yesterday and today, just kind of remembering what vine was to us all. <laughs> and I was surprised actually how it was kind of just a fun way to see old stuff. And I mean, there's ways now to do similar things, you know, Snapchat and live photos and whatever that Apple's done and stuff, but there is something interesting about that platform that I think will be lost. I mean, it shouldn't be that hard to replicate. I guess if you know Instagram mm-hmm. or whatever decides to do something similar, but obviously Twitter felt like if I guess if Disney wasn't going to buy them, they might as well shut down Vine. It seemed like
2: right. <laughs>
0: so it, it seems that ap- you know apropos like well, if Disney's going to buy us. We'll just cut off our hand over here.
2: Yeah, Disney makes a lot of video, therefore we'll shut down our videos thing.
0: <laughs> like no, it was like like. Uh, we can't tell Disney how to make money off of our Vine subscription, so therefore, they're not interested in uh, our Vine service at all. So, um, but also, Disney is, you know, has a member of Apple on their, its board. So I don't understand. It it has to be a really compelling case for Disney to buy Twitter, right? Like yeah, they, they could them. just walk over to Apple, you know, like you know, to say, hey, build us this thing, and not that Apple has any track record of being a successful social media outlet, but it's mm. like, Dang so it's just, they could still leverage. They, I can see them going to Apple first before they go to Twitter.
2: I'll admit to being confused. Like, I'm not sure who would really want Twitter, why it would be useful to them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, I, I I love it kind of as a public service almost, yeah. but I just, they've had a hard time figuring out how to make money on it. I'm not sure anybody else can. Right. How do we keep this thing alive?
1: It's kinda of like the utilities in Monopoly where you're like, they're good.
2: Yeah. Somebody
1: somebody has to own them,
2: but <laughs>
1: nobody's really like seeking hoping they end up with the utilities on Monopoly.
2: Yeah. Well they get better if you own all of them, but yeah.
0: <laughs> so that's killing vine, I guess. I don't know. <laughs>
2: yeah, I thought like,
0: you know, they just open up pro accounts um to people who just you can apply for them. And I you know, I wouldn't have minded paying 25 bucks or maybe 25 bucks a year uh to update my prime my pro my pro status if i if i got one every year just so i could say hey i'm legit um you know i know what i'm doing on, on the service and i you know i have a, some authority on on the social media platform and i would love the same thing if i were on snapchat right or something like that. Like if i had some uh, some pull some weight on that so i felt like they should have just done that earlier and just to had like a pro account there and then added features like like not like too complex filtering but some basic filtering uh to filter out the trolls maybe or filter out you know like your top 10 tro- trolls i don't know whatever but uh they've got your top 10 tro- <laughs> but uh <laughs> so uh but sorry i mean you reach your of trolls you just really stop annoying people to me yeah so i just feel like it's uh th- there's plenty of ways for them to, to uh to do that, but also I feel like you know, there is also the flip side is that like people who are on Twitter have to be anonymous. But I feel like with you know, Bitcoin and you know, uh, you can people can donate an account a pro account for for someone else. You know, I think yeah, they could, they could you know, they could still be anonymous and, and have a Twitter account too, some way. But uh, I just feel like they they kind of missed that boat a little bit. But I, I think Google should still buy them in a heartbeat because I think they need uh, people searching for up to the minute news. That, that's why I feel like. Like whenever something newsworthy happens within city or a state or or nation or national, you know, Twitter's where I go to for news. So I
1: think. What about like the idea of um, like why wouldn't Facebook buy them? Which seems like they're competitors, but like mm-hmm. Facebook just runs it as its like quick instant messaging, live chat thing. But then there's also Facebook proper that you go to for like sharing cat photos and pictures of your kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they could benefit from having the you know the goodwill of the nerd. Community on on Twitter, let's say, while also getting the rest of the world, right. actually, on Facebook.com and and run run the board, I guess. I,
2: don't like, know. I kind of wonder if that's maybe a step too far, even in our toothless antitrust world. <laughs> that might actually like because I I mean I when I think of social networks, I absolutely think of Facebook and Twitter first, mm-hmm. um, and that would be a shrinkage. Um, I work for LinkedIn, which is. The other one that comes to mind but like in a different zone mm-hmm. um i don't know that combining any of those three with the others uh yeah we'll see
1: <laughs> yeah i'm not saying i would like it either i just mean like from a agent from oh yeah uh, monopoly you know just like who is it? time warner's buying whichever i forget which
2: at&t is buying yeah, time or, warner yeah, yeah. yeah oh man goes,
1: yeah sort of the like uh, idea of like utilities buying the other utilities and
2: monopolizing the whole thing and we started with that Monopoly game, you're right. That was a good metaphor. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard a rumor that Vine was shutting down because it had too many videos of dancing Chewbaccas on it. <laughs> yes. But I don't yes.
0: know. Oh man, yeah. It's all Are, first fault. Yeah, that was a that was a good moment. I was really I was like I don't dance in Chewbacca outfits often. <laughs> <laughs> when you do it's <laughs> on Vine? It's it's on Vine. So Oh <laughs> yeah, that was um that was a good day because we uh uh, the backstory for people who don't know is like, not that people care, but it's just like, uh, <laughs> is that Cindy Lee, who, uh, who's uh, like first wave or is of web what developers, or whatever. So uh, she made her own Padme outfit from, uh, from Star Wars one uh, for menace. And that's before the internet had outfits or, or like dimensions on how to make outfits like that. She made it all by like eyeballing the TV show. And so, uh, and it's just as elaborate outfits it was really beautiful it's the one in the, in the movie phantom Manus, where it's it's a red outfit with glowing orbs on the on the bottom of the dress i don't know whatever that is and so uh i begged her to like take it to comic-con in san diego uh and uh forever and so she f- finally broke down and said like oh, i would only do it if uh if uh we uh, all wore outfits <laughs> so uh so uh so aria was in uh, princess leia uh, I was in Chewbacca, and um, um, her husband was in uh, Anakin Skywalker, before, uh, Jedi. <laughs> so so we actually ran through, not ran through, like, we got in early in the line for Comic-Con, dressed up. I was six foot seven, you know, Chewbacca, you know, and I can't hardly see anything. And we walked through, we, I think we literally walked 100 feet, and then I had to walk back out because uh, we couldn't go anywhere without people taking a photo of us. <laughs> and that, and that took like literally like three or four hours of us doing that. And so, where you see a photo of me of me dancing, open we'll the notes, whatever. We just did it. We, actually, we accomplished this goal of like we got costumes, totally nerded out, and walked through Comic Con. So that was I was like the happiest moment. Like, well, I accomplished and, my life bucket goal, you know.
2: And Vine and preserved it.
0: Yeah, you know, for the next like two months, right? Right. Yeah. Don't take it down. <laughs> right? so. Next story: Apple's new MacBook Pros. And cons. But uh, so it, it took them four years to come up with a new MacBook Pro, right? Because everyone was complaining, like, hey, you have a new iPhone, you have to do this, or new that. And then, meanwhile, uh, well, obviously, meanwhile, but uh, what do you guys think of it, new MacBook Pro?
1: I think um, I, I, the risk, of, it feels like a lot of the re- review and response I've seen, anyways, has been kind of negative. I haven't seen one in person, I haven't touched one. Obviously, um, I wasn't that invited to the Apple event. <laughs> 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 and. Uh, but I, I'm skeptical. I, I think it could be one of those things, like the little touch bar thing could be one of those things that's neat. Once you actually see it in person, you use it. To me, it looked a little gimmicky and kind of reminded me of old, like 90s style laptops where there's like buttons all over and shortcut keys and, you know, just that kind of thing redone. And it admittedly, well, you know, done, redone well. But at, yeah, it felt a, feels a bit like I'm already looking up at my screen. I don't want to have to, and I can, Type and, and act, You know, find my mouse uh, without having to look down at stuff, whereas that feels like there's no, no um, pressure, no sensitivity to anything, and so you're just going to be basically looking down all the time to try and find stuff. But I'm willing to be proven wrong, I guess. I'm just skeptical that it seems like to have spent that long basically putting a mini iPad or whatever in your keyboard, and that's the big reveal. I don't know.
2: I'm underwhelmed, I'm I guess. But Yeah, I think it'll have a web API for the touch bar that's based on the marquee tag, and uh it just makes things scroll back and forth (laughs) um all right right. i Uh, saw
1: the blink tag is getting resurrected too probably
2: there we go there we go um yeah i mean i've been kind of stepping away from apple for the last five years so i'm basically the wrong person to ask about enthusiasm but um i mean i am talking to you on a power book but that's on a PowerBook.
1: PowerBook? Wow. Right. <laughs> that
2: would be great. <laughs> I am talking to you on a MacBook, but that's because my employer handed it to me, and I was trying to speak to you from an HP Sprout so I could show off just how weird and awesome Windows can be. But, you know, um, that didn't work out. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm kind of weirded out. I mean, I've watched for years as, like, it just was always the same laptop. My parents asked at one point if they should upgrade, and I, like, checked out the specs of my mother's old MacBook and the new MacBook, and I was like, um, is something desperately wrong with the old one? No, don't, don't, don't move at all. Just stay. Um, it's been very weird to me. I mean, partly because I still have them for work. I'm less and less enthusiastic about Mac OS as well. Um, I kind of feel like somehow windows got around them with that whole Ubuntu bash shell thing now. And so all of my development needs are now like no longer need a Mac. Um, so i I'm, Yes, I, I I don't see anything exciting there. Um I alternate between being a total Apple fanboy and totally wishing they'd go away. And I'm I'm definitely deep in the go away phase right now.
0: Yeah, it seems like uh uh I'm I for before I think Microsoft learned a lesson from Apple mm-hmm. and they've took it to heart and Microsoft is now a better Apple than Apple is. So I don't know. Um and so I don't know. My concern is uh I'm not too worried about that um, touchscreen. It's like, it's, and it's just a screen where the function keys used to be, if you will, air quotes used to be. And so they still replace it. The escape key is is now this virtual, you know, a touch key now. And stuff. my thing is like, I think this is just a step towards replacing the whole keyboard with uh, like an iPad uh, interface. Like just like you have a nice, you so see, you have glass on glass, so you fold it up, and I feel that's like where it's going. Is like so you're so you'll be just typing on glass. Because, you know, you have the iOS keyboard already, so you just, you know,
2: it's... And MacBook keyboards have been terrible for a long time, so maybe that would even be an improvement.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and they even touted, like, their new scissor, like, uh, keyboard uh, keys. They made another generation cut, which is, like, four years, you know, they improved. (laughs) the keyboard After four years, like, thank you, I guess, uh, for (laughs) (laughs) four years of that, and thank you for this power strip of... uh, LED lights, so um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how it plays, maybe it plays better in person, uh, but the thing that really I, um, that kind of got me was that the the power cord is now USB-C, like, mm-hmm. and so there's actually four, depending on which, out, I think it depending on which, that's what which you get, you get two or four or three or uh, USB-C outlets for your power, um, so they got rid of their MagSafe power outlet, which is like, just ingenious thing where like, you know, if your power gets cut, you know, your, your, your core doesn't fray or whatnot. So I yeah. felt like they kind of took a step backwards with that. Um, you know, just, I mean, like even this past week, you know, with dealing with the conference, you know, the power cord got snapped so many times, mm-hmm. you know, you're on a podium, you don't know how long, you know, it just, yeah. you know, or you're, you're going to set up for the next day. You just, you know, you just don't know. And, um, and the power port cord just snapped and frayed, and they had to buy a new one. And so I felt like that was a really step step backwards, really, for them. And so, um, and I sort of feel like this is a, you know, this is this is a laptop they need to redesign within six eight months. They can't wait. Um, yeah, you know, they can't wait. They, they can't well, wait four years on this one.
2: I think my big concern is I don't I don't think they're really good at listening anymore. So, I mean, not that they ever especially were, but they, you know, kind of, sort of did. They did strange things. Like, people would ask for something like a netbook, and they gave us the iPad. Okay, there there was a plan there. Mm -hmm. But this doesn't feel like that.
1: Yeah, Yeah. it's report that you can't just (laughs) – it's funny that that nerds would ask this, but, like, you cannot plug four power adapters into (laughs) an USB-C port and, like, charge four times as fast. It doesn't work that way. Uh but. Yeah, it does feel like I saw someone say something about like where they're not really aiming for the professional user. They're sort of aiming for the amateur professional who's wowed by this kind of thing. And and I feel I do feel like, yeah, like like Simon said, like there's they're sort of missing where it feels like the industry is going, whether you're in the creative side or the programmer side or development side, like they're kind of not really aiming, following either of those paths and kind of hitting nobody now. Whereas it did feel like for years they were like one step ahead of where people were going to be, Mm -hmm. but I don't feel like people are going to be stepping in this direction. Like the, I know the next story is the Microsoft surface. Like that feels like at least on the creative side where folks want this to go, like we want the big iPad, but like on a desk thing that I can use, That's not flat on the table, but somehow so it's easier to like draw on or manipulate stuff with um, where this is like, well, sure, I can have a little touch controls for the, say, scrubbing in a video if I'm a Final Cut Pro editor. Right. But really, like, the magic trackpad is, should be just as good. And then I don't have to try and navigate, like I was saying, like, look down and figure out where my hand is. on the.
0: There's, like, two points. Point. One, I felt like, you know, Microsoft's been beating up Apple on the commercials saying, like, you could, you could touch our, like, our tablet, and it's way better than the laptop. And I was like, hey, we'll just wait until Apple comes out with their new laptop. It's been four years. And I like because like you know Microsoft and Samsung can like usually compete on hardware, but it usually takes a while for Apple to catch up. And this is the first time I, I saw like okay, Apple's gonna come out ready, ready for the Christmas market and just go just punch it out with something cool. And I was like, it was a total like failure on their part to do that. But I thought like maybe they see something, with a pencil, right? The Apple pencil, where it's a just a gorgeous tool. I love the tool. I, however, lose that thing all the time you know and uh and then also the user interface and also i use it but then maybe it's not really designed for being used very well because of the i'm not sure if you remember all the charging of how to charge a, uh, a pencil you stick it into the ipad and it looks like an ipad popsicle <laughs> whatever, like, <so. laughs> and, and right. it's so i just I, I maybe they're just not down with uh like this these kind of external devices outside of the outside the ipad or or the iphone or or the the laptop maybe they're just like they want it all yeah
2: you
0: should buy the device and you shouldn't own anything else other than these like three devices or or whatnot
2: There were kind of two responses to the keyboard stuff that I thought were interesting. One is that my kids are perpetually confused by the MacBooks we have because it's not a touchscreen and they're the only things in the house that aren't. So they're always like, and one of them has a broken piece of glass on it, which we would care about if it was a touchscreen, but we haven't fixed yet because it's not. Um, So there's that. And then the other was the video editors I was talking to who were like, yeah, I guess I could use that strip for video, but my laptop's always closed when I'm editing video. Yeah. So for them, it's like, um, yeah, never mind. If I'm if I'm doing video work on an airplane, maybe.
1: Yeah, and it's there's the potential. I guess that's this is where I always give Apple the benefit of the doubt. I guess in the long run, because maybe there is a bigger vision here. You know, like we've seen in the past, where they've sort of planted the seeds of something, and then it actually isn't ready right now. So they have to sort of put out a stopgap like this is maybe. But it feels like, like you said, Christopher, like they're building towards just the iPad on where your keyboard is. And that's to me, isn't really exciting either.
0: Yeah, I think, I think that's way exciting for me because um, then your display, your keyboard display can be even more context sensitive. Like, I mean, the whole idea behind that function strip is that is now you have a context sensitive uh, menu. Right. And right. so you're, and where these uh, function keys are probably like for the casual user, like, like the, that the target audience that Apple is going for doesn't really hit the function keys that often. Um, you know, I hardly hit the bunch of keys, you know, uh, that often. And you know, let and I, you know, I'm probably, prime example of someone who would benefit from, you know, changing my 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 daylight's, you know, my screen, lightness and brightness, and you know, changing songs quickly. And all that stuff, but uh, but I don't I don't it that very often. But uh, but yeah, but I think like if you think about if it if it takes over the whole entire keyboard, you know, just think about the the keyboard that you get with your iPhone. How that changes when you want to enter a phone number and then the numbers come up instead of the like, like mm-hmm. Roman alphabet or whatever. And so you, it's really easy just then to have like um, another example would be like, uh, there's all these uh, um, plastic key keyboards that, have, that are color kind of coded for video editing that you can buy off of Amazon, or whatever and you layer that on top of your keyboard. Well, that was just a like baked in to the, uh, to the OS where you're just like, I'm now in editing mode. Here's all the hotkeys uh, color coded just for me to, to run around easily and i don't have to worry about you know scissor keys like failing on me or whatever like that so it's pretty i think it's pretty i think that's that's a lot of cool cool things to go in, in a cool direction uh i did not buy the dj <laughs> example though that was that was pretty bad uh for, for that little like thumb strip i thought that was that was like it was just throw out the dj and that's where you can yeah.
1: see him, like, sort of, like, very precisely trying to make sure. He, I mean, he's on stage at an Apple event with millions yeah. of people watching, so there's <laughs> pressure, obviously. But yeah. even still, you can see him, like, very carefully trying to make sure he's hitting the right part of the little touchpad thing or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah,
2: I, I think he would really prefer to have an iPad for that anyway. So <laughs> it's just kind yeah. of.
1: Yeah. That's what it felt a bit like after all this time of like even Tim Cook saying, why would you want to buy an iPad when you can or buy a Mac or buy a computer? He said, I think mean, PC or whatever, when you could buy an iPad. And it's like, this seems to be a good use case for an iPad.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, yeah. Well, you're in a pro version. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, so that leads us into uh, the new Surface from Microsoft. So um, like we kind of uh, talked about it already, but it's this big and monitor. I don't know what the dimensions are. I just thought it was like huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it reminded me of the surface table that went around. A few yes. That yeah, was at South by Southwest. It was this huge thing. I saw it at the uh, Microsoft build conference way back in the day too. You know, it was before the iPad came out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just like, Oh my gosh. It was pretty much like the coup de ta. I thought like Apple just ran rings around uh, Microsoft back then. It was just like, Oh, you have this big ping pong set. That's great. Here's a tablet. But, um, uh, but yeah, but it's 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 a big tablet on a desktop computer. You can run it as Windows OS from the looks of it, and then you can you can interact with it and get dive into it uh, to as an Illustrator or creative uh, person. So, uh, so what are your thoughts on it?
1: Well, I I'm really excited about it. I think I was just trying to see if it was I don't know if it's listed on the Canadian side. I'm looking always conscious about Canadian pricing versus US <laughs> pricing up here
0: in the north. But um, I think well and, I checked it out in American dollars. It's like four thousand dollars for like the upscale version of it.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it'll be five grand Canadian or whatever, roughly by the time it gets across the border. But, um, so it's not something I'm going to be buying anytime soon. I'm sitting in front of a relatively new iMac that'll do me just fine. But I think as a technology piece, especially as a counterpoint to uh, what Apple announced and stuff, it certainly makes for Not that they're direct competitors exactly, but it certainly is kind of like, you know, like you said, in years past, it would have been Microsoft announcing something. And then the next day, Apple would be like blowing them out of the water. So all the headlines would be about Apple and, We wouldn't even remember what Microsoft announced often. And so this feels like the reverse, although Apple has a lot of, you know, just press notoriety, I think, um, regardless right now. But that can fade just like it did with Microsoft. And so just looking at it at the demos and stuff, it certainly feels like a really compelling uh, thing, especially for the creative side. I've seen some reviews saying that it's, you know, the software is still buggy uh, in the, you know, the little dial thing that you can sort of drop on the screen and use to like control color temperature and stuff like that. Which looks really cool in demo, but you know isn't as slick or smooth in in reality yet. But again, potentially could get by the time it's released in what is it November? I forget when it's coming out, but um, it's in the stores anyways for demo purpose. I don't know if you can take them home yet, but um, so I think there there's definitely it's really interesting. If I was at all graphically inclined, it would be something really interesting, and I think. Uh, from I, I read a review, uh, Penny Arcade guy uh, Gabe something, the guy, one of the artists there with Penny Arcade, the comic, has had one for about a week or two, and seems to really like it and think it's definitely uh, an interesting way to go with this. So I'm I'm excited. I think competition for Apple is good, and in this space, doing interesting things is good, and uh, and can only be sort of good times ahead, I guess for us tech
0: nerds in the space i I don't know i'm kind of afraid for apple in competition i don't i don't think they do too well in competition i think they uh they're great when they sit when they're laser focused on a star that no one else sees and uh only until we realize like oh yeah that's where we should be going that's where right Right. so i don't know
2: i I think we've been stuck in this place where kind of everybody was following apple for the last however many years. I mean, the iMac came out and suddenly everybody was making all in ones. The iPad came out and suddenly like, well, okay, there were windows tablets before the iPad, but it, it changed the conversation. Um, I don't know. I'm one of those strange people who actually likes like computers that aren't laptops. And, uh, so I've been hoping that something would change in this space and kind of seeing like Apple and the iMac is like this endless barrier. Um, so I'm the 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 one of five crazy people who actually paid for an HP Sprout, um, which I'm happy to say was only about half as much as this uh, as the fancy version of the uh, Surface. Um, but you know that gave me two screens and touch screens. It gave me weird things I could do with um, Adobe and Microsoft products. It doesn't have a fancy dial or anything. Um, but somehow we got stuck in like 1999 on the desktop, and things just didn't change for ever um, even as everything else moved so it's a little weird to me actually that it's Microsoft doing this um, although honestly with the sprout and um, that I've seen the problems that happen when the manufacturer of the computer and the man- creator of the operating system are different people um, that's kind of a headache so I think Microsoft has a, a big advantage here um, I guess I should also disclose that I work for lynda.com, which is part of LinkedIn, which is probably about to get swallowed by Microsoft, so I guess who knows. Um, It's all weird. But I just, to me, it's like there's this stuff that we should have been doing for the last 15 years to make computers more interesting and interactive. And about the main thing we got around to was putting a touchscreen on some of them. So, um, you know, to me, this is like finally taking... Some of the ideas we've had in the last twenty years, some of the ideas we've had in the last fifty years, to be honest, um, I suspect that like' the folks at Xerox Park are, are laughing somewhere right now, but that's okay. yeah, I just I feel like it's it's finally coming together. I don't actually care very much who does it. I'm just like happy to see the ice breaking and that you know we can look to different interfaces than classic keyboard and monitor and mouse.
0: Yeah, I definitely step away from the beige box mm-hmm. and keyboard and computer screen. Yeah, I totally get that. So I like that's one of the things I, I do like about Microsoft uh, Studio. You know, is that uh, Service sort of Studio is it's relatively light, it's springy, uh, it has a little the dial interface. Which uh, I assume other computer software applications will be able to latch on, do their own Well I've to some
2: doubts about the dial. I bought one of those Griffin Technologies dials when they came out, I don't know, 2001 for the Mac. And it seemed awesome for about 20 minutes.
0: Yeah, but you can actually place it on the screen now. That's true. That's true. Which, which, I mean, you mentioned it earlier, like like Microsoft has had touchscreens before and uh, in a previous life, you know, I actually bought like a bunch of those uh, laptop uh, folding screens before the iPad was even like a whisper. Mm And uh, you know, I was kind of sort of impressed with it. You know, I could draw, I could draw on it. It could recognize my handwriting, which is great because it was terrible handwriting. And uh, it was <laughs> it it, w- it wasn't half bad, but it was still right. like two thousand five technology, right? It was still, I did
2: like, I did like the ping pong table. I was much more comfortable putting my beer down on that than I am yeah. with most computers. So that was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that that's the uh, beer analogy, right? Like, if I can only buy, I can only buy, and hang out with a computer if I can put a beer on it. Right. That's it. That's,
2: that's it. I don't know about the Surface uh, Studio for that. We'll we'll have to see if it has a cup holder. I will only accept well, you as a robot overlord if I could put a beer on you. And yeah. hang out.
1: It. The studio, I think, from my what I see, it only goes like it doesn't go completely flush with the table, right? It goes no. almost flush, yeah. I think. And so
0: yeah, your beer yeah. will slide down. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Well, that's like, what we'll this out.
0: That's not a challenge. That's a challenge to undertake. Yeah. That's a that's a Kickstarter waiting to happen.
2: <laughs> <laughs> studio cup holders.
0: <laughs> you're drawing that all weekend you need some help making deadlines sure. johnny ive is paying attention right now <laughs> back in the
1: studio <laughs> okay guys bear me bear me okay. i do think the little dial thing i think just like the the apple uh touchpad if you will i think the or yeah that's what's called um will be one of those things that when you see it, it'll either be amazing or it'll be like you said, sort of like the, the other dials of the of the past where it's like, why would I do that when I can just actually touch the screen and, you know, or whatever, have to go find this thing, forget where I put it and stuff like that. So. Right.
0: Yeah. And I feel like, uh, like Adobe's, yeah, I think it was Adobe's bridge and ruler. I think, uh, were great devices. However, I don't use them, you know? And, uh, that's cause I, I don't really, I'm not really bought, bought into the whole toy. Uh, Adobe ecosystem however if I was able to you know I can use a pencil for that uh, Apple's pencil for other apps besides Apple's uh, apps and it's really great and I love it and uh, uh, it has a great way to do it so I feel like if if it's uh, if that dial can interface with other apps I've you know I could just see myself engrossed into the computer making art making creative stuff and I think it's just gonna be more of a you know the art our platform, our you know, nation is really going to be about people making stuff and, and creating stuff now and, and uh, via computers now. I just feel like we have to get more gross and in making cooler stuff that way. And So, yeah, I just, you know, I'm, I'm excited about the dial. I'm putting on record for that. That's just, yeah.
2: I want to see the web API for it, then I'll talk about it.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so next on the list is CSS DevConf Superpowers. I did not write that, I don't think.
2: That was okay. me. Okay, so
0: That's what was me. your... Oh,
2: okay. <laughs> that that show made me happier than most of the ones i've been to that i can remember um i got extra excited last night when i realized the shirt was glow in the dark um so that was that was extra awesome but um yeah i feel like we're coming up to a to a kind of a turning point like i was just talking about how the ice is breaking on like desktop design stuff um i think we're actually coming to a point where like there is so much new stuff in css mm-hmm. that over the next like Two or three years, we're not going to be able to help ourselves in coming up with new ways to use it. Um, there was like, a. Man, what do you mean? Like figuring out new designs, like finding different ways to create interfaces, um, like figuring out ways to make stuff that look really nice on that uh, Surface Studio, and ways that the people who built it in the first place didn't think about. Um, only if we get the Dial API, of course. Um, but you know, like there was a. Comment I think Jen Simmons made about how, like in CSS, because everything floats, you sort of get this like model of everything kind of plastered to the top. And ever since she said that, I've been looking around and going, Oh, it's all true. <laughs> and
0: uh, yeah, I think your analogy was a uh, floats. It's like if you think of a bathtub, bars of soap, yeah, bars of soap all float to the top. That's the, yeah, like, yeah, this
2: ivory 99 and 4400th percent pure thing. It's yeah, um, so. You know, I've been watching CSS forever. I've been using it since it came out. Um, I've, always, I've always had a soft spot for it. But it's always felt like it moved really slowly. It moved in ways that made programmers just go, what? I don't understand. That doesn't look like a Java Swing interface. That's not Visual Studio. Um, I think we actually kind of are breaking out of those lines finally. So um, I'm watching for what I'm calling a CSS renaissance now. Uh, We'll see if this actually happens. Um, It's entirely possible. I'm crazy. Um, We do have a bunch of programmers who are like trying to blow up the cascade and start over because global variables are bad or something. Um, I'm also actually really happy to see like CSS containment coming out so you can finally say, turn off the cascade here, please. Thank you. It just feels like a moment. We're not there yet. I feel a little weird calling it ahead, but I just, I'm a little too excited not to talk about it. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, it seems like everything's going towards a modular system, right? It's like you're like you want to have you want to stop the cascade at this point and you want to have like you want to build people want to share building blocks, but they don't want to have it interfere with other people's Yeah. I think the
2: idea of the cascade being completely global is part of the problem. So mm -hmm. there is that interference problem, which is actually not that hard to avoid through creative naming, but creative naming does get exhausting. Mm -hmm. Um but I think the other thing for me that's shifting is that I'm hoping that being able to build components, being able to like, contain the scope, will make people appreciate like what this stuff does for them in those smaller contexts, finally. Um, I don't know, the, the programmer-designer divide is really, really, really wide on CSS. Um, that Yeah, two years ago, it was kind of the divide between people who are making new things and the people who have to maintain things. That was leading to the occasional fight. Um, these days, it seems much more clearly like programmers versus designers, in ways that don't make sense to me. So, I'm hoping this renaissance will make everybody happy. We'll see.
0: Like there was there, there was some discussion about at this, come about the CDEF about the divide between programmers and designers, and I just uh, I, I don't know where it was, but I just um, I'm still kind of like I didn't say much about it because I'm still kind of uh, down about it <laughs> the, the whole discussion because as a conference organizer, there's still like a divide, you know, out there Mm -hmm. that uh, we try to put designers and programmers on the same track. And if we can avoid it, we do. It's just, it's uh, just because the feedback we get is, you know, designers want to design. They don't, you know, they don't want to code. And it was just kind of, you know, that's not where things are going. So.
2: Yeah, it was a great show. It like pulled together all of these threads that like I've been watching forever, but hadn't really seen in one place in a long time. Um, it was too damn hot outside, but you know, other than that, it was awesome.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it was like a week earlier, it was perfect. It does seem like,
1: speaking as the uh, someone who doesn't know how to do a lot of stuff with things, the <laughs> the people I follow, like the I'm just looking through the speakers and stuff. I wasn't for anybody listening. I wasn't at CSS.conf. My invitation was lost, I guess. No, uh, <laughs> but the, the the folks I follow, the coyers and, and stuff, they seem like that the type of people that you're describing, like the leading where they are designers, they're not like necessarily amazing designers, but they're really good programmers or, or they're pretty good program. Uh, what was the opposite? They're pretty good pro- programmers and amazing designers, I guess. But they, they do like a lot of the, the leaders of people that I follow as someone who's you know worked at a local level with clients and websites and WordPress and whatever. And, you know, kind of like I'm two years down the road from where you guys maybe are talk or people at the CSS DevConf for talking in terms of what my clients are actually going to come saying, Hey, can we have animations now in, you know, a year from now or whatever. And then I'll have to figure that out. But yeah, a lot of, it's exciting, I guess, to see sort of like what Simon was saying that uh, the, the people I follow is are bridging that divide, I guess, in a healthy way and, and feel like they're multidisciplinary kind of artists, creative programmer, able to communicate with all sides of their brain, not just one track. It looks exciting from down here, I guess, is what I'm trying to say.
2: Cool yeah yeah. i'm thinking it's also kind of has a weird echo and like what we were just saying with the microsoft and apple stuff i mean in some sense this is all design, and like how do we make it easier for people to build cool things and i think that's actually happening lately so a good sign yeah
0: yeah and then also i think uh it's also the first time we had um uh fighting burnout but it kind of like a health oh
2: that was a great talk
0: person like I, we had a, uh, alicia like delivered to talk about uh fighting burnout. And this is like the first time we've had someone talk about that, like not talk about code or or management or philosophies or one that was just talk about like, hey, just burnout in general. And um, so I think was, that was kind of epic. And she actually won best of for her talk oh, nice. during that one. So um, I thought that was kind of unusual and special in a way. And it's also, I think she was one of the first people to win two best ofs because she won um, for uh, 2014 oh, and <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, two thousand
2: fourteen yeah. was about like JavaScript testing, and then yeah. this year was about burnout. So it's quite a difference,
0: right? And so um, is that Alicia
2: Sedlock? Oh, okay.
0: yeah. And so she's uh and just for people who don't know, just like uh, to in order to get to speak at CS DevConf, well, and yeah, it's a it's like a feature speaker, like you know, if you're a keynote. Uh, it's like a few number of people, uh, just so we can like you know have some keynote uh people locked in because they usually get picked up pretty early in the conference cycle but then uh then we have a, a call of papers and so and that's a double blind voting so we don't know who's going to be coming to our to the to the conference speaking until pretty much late in the game and um and both alicia's talks were one and so just for, for that to happen that's one speaks a lot so hopefully she's uh, uh she's is in a really great position because I think it speaks volumes to her communication right. skills. Uh, she's a phenomenal speaker, and I just really blown away that she picked that topic and did great.
2: And so, but, well, the uh, audience was clearly sympathetic. I mean, I kind of told her thank you for describing my past year. Um, <laughs> it, um, yes, yeah. I should have taken more than two weeks between jobs, but that's okay. We've kind of reached a point where like the tech industry has been pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And we're kind of reaching the point where we can talk about how that's not always such a great thing to do. Um, there are a lot of people who are still totally into pushing. I don't think that's going to change for a while, but at least the resistance is forming. So we'll we'll see where that goes. But I was I, the, the conversations that that triggered at the conference. The uh, I don't know. It triggered a whole different set of kind of work and technology conversations uh, that I'd felt like before the before that talk. So.
0: And I was just talking to someone earlier. I just because uh, I be running the Conference, i well, like talking with um, uh, one of our sponsors about it uh, earlier today. And um, I was just like, I just I, I didn't realize it, but over three nights and two days, we went to do uh, to the boat tour of San Antonio the, of the Riverwalk, mm-hmm. uh, and then we did uh, Day of the Dead celebration uh, with a live mariachi band, all female mari- mari- mariachi band, face painting. Tacos, whatever, like the whole thing, and then the next night we did uh, uh, r- historical reenactments at the Alamo, and so I don't think you—I think we did the San Antonio experience wrapped around a tech conference as much as you can. So, I think we just I'll, We did a
2: lot. I'll admit that the fried chicken tacos might have had something to do with the superpowers. Okay, it's
0: great. <laughs> that was the best tacos I've ever had. So. Yeah, those <laughs> and, trucks were great. Yeah, that was, and that's coming from a guy who lives in Austin. Texas, who has to be, who has to, by definition, hate San Antonio. But, but, <laughs> but anyway, cool. Uh, next topic is CSS on resumes. Is that right? Or
2: yeah, this one comes out of the same thing. I just it's yeah. a little different from superpowers. So yeah. like I realized over the last, well, really at the conference it crystallized. Um, you know, we've we've had people talk about you know, so what are you good at? And what people put on the resume is CSS, and that doesn't actually tell you anything anymore. So, like, anybody who's out there who's, like, putting CSS on their resume, please put in more detail. Do you know layout? Do you know, like, how to deal with complex spreadsheets? If you're one of those crazy people who can do animations that Chris is going to need in a couple of years, you know, put it down. Um, I'm, I'm trying to sort through, like, who knows what. And, I you know, I'm at LinkedIn now, so it's kind of like resumes are a thing, I guess. Well, LinkedIn profiles are a thing. Forget resumes. But, um, but yeah, it's just it's like it's not one skill anymore. Um, I think the same can probably be said of JavaScript too. I mean, I think that's harder to kind of break down because people think, well, you can talk about the language and then the frameworks, but there's a whole set of different skills that people are really specializing in. Part of me is sad about this because I liked it when these things were simple enough that we could just like say, yeah, I got CSS. I got it. I got all that. I know that. Um, and that's not true anymore. But for the folks who are, like, specializing and doing really great work in layout or uh, transforms, another place that people don't know, just, like, celebrate it. Put it up in lights, and you'll find more jobs. People need you.
1: Which that, I'm nodding my head aggressively because uh, I appreciate the, the, the need for the specialization, and I'm, I love what it's hap- why it's happening and how it's reflected on the web and the sites we're being able to build. But it's also why I'm... Uh, changing career paths and going into podcast editing instead of because oh no. I just can't keep up with I mean it's just running a solo shop it's just like there's just so many hats to try and wear and and I like but it's not in bitterness or negativity it's just recognizing my own limitations in some of those areas that I just uh it's just not I can see the the five-year plan of of me being buried under <laughs> all you know all these different requests of of different things like we're saying. And wanting to do them all and like acknowledging that they're all cool and good and and really important for a modern website in 2020 or whatever uh but yeah recognizing that um my brain isn't big enough to keep up maybe or small enough i don't know whichever way you want to look at it but it's 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 it's, it's definitely exciting times and I and it's interesting It's probably is good for folks to hear that they shouldn't necessarily be generalist as it maybe was in the past but that specializing is going to serve them well you know Right now, but also obviously, you know, a year or two down the road when animation is, we keep u- using that one, but whatever, whatever specialty it is within CSS even is going to serve them even more in a year or two when that's becomes a bigger player. So,
2: The animation is the one that feels more different than the rest. Yeah. But it's, yeah, awesome. Yeah,
0: yeah I just feel also like as someone who's grown up with the web, it's just like. Um, I just feel like this need to be a generalist, and I just have to like, – mm-hmm. I've learned to let yeah. go of that, I think, is like the hardest part. Is like there's so much. It's so complex now, 20 years plus going into it, that I just need to give up on that. The well, fact that.
2: I'm not quite giving up on it. So I, yeah. I, So like five or six years ago, I built an iPhone app with web stuff with Jen Robbins, and that was great. That got me back into the details. That got me – well, into the mock. There was even a little Objective-C involved, unfortunately. But anyway, um, what I'm trying to do now is figure out what like the simplest new stuff is that can possibly work. Um, I think we talked last time I was on about like the flexible typography stuff I was playing with. And uh, you know it was great to have a talk at CSS DevConf where I was like, yeah, I knew that, which was awesome because it meant that I was not insane in what I had chosen to do. Um, I'm going to be trying kind of the same thing with layout and, you know, let's see what we can do with Flexbox and Grid and some kind of vaguely sane backup plan. Um, I think there actually are paths into these things, but it's kind of a matter of, like, choosing sane projects. And to, too many people I'm talking with right now are like, man, we're building this app. we got to get all these things pixel perfect. we got to get these details done, and we got to have it out last week. And I, I think in those kinds of cases, it's just like um, – Never mind. I don't. I don't think we can help you. We'll see. I mean, I. 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 I think it's going to be hard to stay a generalist, to stay a really good generalist. I'm going to be a bad generalist for a while, <laughs> but maybe yeah. I can find points to get in.
0: Yeah, I feel like I still want to be a journalist in the sense that, uh, I, you know, I want to own my own printing press, right? I want to own Ooh,
2: my blog,
0: yes. you know, and um, I don't get. I think that's the my location would be like, as long as I could. Um, you know, that's what like Jim McKeith does, right? Like I feel like I I really love his his ability to blog and then have his his tweets be blogged first and then go out to Twitter or -hmm. his Facebook stuff. I feel like that's like where it should go, really. It's like and um I don't I'm not sure about blogging tweets is a thing I want to do, but but basically the fact that you can do it is pretty awesome. But um but yeah, but that's that's where it goes because I feel like um you know I'm not big you know I love Twitter, but the fact that they have a uh, crew of people who will evaluate uh, hate speech on on the service who I don't know who they are and I don't know what mood they' are gonna wake up in kind of just <laughs> you know, like if, I, if I say something stupid one day it uh, I, I could be banned for life I could be like you know so that kind of like kind of worries me, but the fact that I can I can fire up a WordPress blog and say my piece and not have to worry about uh, some third party social media site taking me down that speaks volumes. To uh, it's it's that speaks volumes, but I just feel it's very important to me, um, and so I feel like that should I, should I should continue to do that at least. That's just the way I feel, America.
2: Yeah, I mean, keeping keeping the web open is a lot of that. Um, I think about a lot of the things I used to do with RSS that have now vanished into social networks. Yeah, um, yeah. how do we how do we keep these things open and, and what does it take to do that? It, it, that that's always been the hard question,
0: right? And then also like those services like. We, we talked about this before, Simon, but like about uh, closed uh, social walled gardens and stuff like that. But like, you know, even though like, Amazon Prime and Google will take take your photos for free, you know, and just and store them, which is great. But then, what, what do you do with your photos? Like, are you storing your photos? Or are you, you know, my, my photos are in the cloud, so I've. I hope it doesn't rain. That's all. <laughs> so that's it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ever growing JavaScript stack.
2: Number oh six. yes, this is just. This actually ties into the CSS stuff. I mean, on the CSS side, I feel like there's this renaissance coming. On the JavaScript side, I see, like, this Jenga game that's getting really out of control. Um, There was a piece a couple weeks ago about, like, what it's like to be a JavaScript developer that's really, like, a snarky piece that generated all kinds of, like, this must not have been written by a real developer kind of responses. Um, This week, there was, you know, a piece about, like, how to set up for, like, modern JavaScript. And it's, it's like 10 steps, but a friend of mine is on like step six an hour ago, and he had 8,332 files created as he was building his, you know, smooth JavaScript stack. Um, and then I just watched like Alex Russell talking about mobile development and devices that will load your code when they feel like it. Yeah, it's kind of like JavaScript, a little dabble, do you? Um, is a piece I need to write. I've been looking up real cream commercials. Um, but yeah, I just, I keep wondering, like, we've, with, with CSS, I feel like we're reaching the good kind of critical mass. And with JavaScript, I'm, I'm concerned we're reaching the bad kind of critical mass. So we'll see what happens.
1: This is where I update my Twitter profile to say I'm a bad generalist. I'm just, that's all I'm doing.
2: <laughs> Excellent. Excellent.
1: <laughs> I'll pass it to you, Chris.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, like, I was just reading this, like, JavaScript stack from scratch. And it was like, hey, welcome to my modern JavaScript stack tutorial. JavaScript stack from scratch. And so it was, like, just, like, 12 steps. Uh, first one's Node, npm, Yarn, package JSON, and then installing and using, and then ES6 with Babel and Gulp, and then the syntax, linting, client app with Webpack, React, Redux, JSON.
2: So I did apologize to the friend who was implementing all of this.
0: <laughs> really, well, how'd you? <laughs> Profusely, I hope isn't <laughs> it?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, part of it's great because people are enthusiastic. You know, they're figuring out all these new things they can do. They're building all this these great new tools. Yeah. Part of it's just like, whoa, let's let's invent things for like Google and Facebook and and imp- impose them on individual developers building sites, and right. that gets way out of hand fast. So, yeah.
0: yeah. So I built a I built a a website for a ten k apart mm-hmm. a contest. And um and I kinda went into like the old school guy and I made sure it was like the whole thing was ten K. And then I read then I read the rules and then uh, <laughs> they said like no, the initial uh download uh is ten K, but you can have a back end come in and do do more stuff. And I was just like, well, wait, that that's cheating. That's 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 not good. So and so I was really proud. I came out of ten K, it did something that that was That that helps people. And I was like, okay. It was a fart fart app, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a fart (laughs) app. It was another fart app. So, but um, but yeah, it's just, yeah. So I can see how um, that can be really extensive to go through 12 steps. And and it's not even done yet. He still has to do uh, write out production and development environments, Express, React Router, server side rendering, (laughs) styling, and time. Holy cow. So,
2: Back when I was a kid, a router was something you had in like the, the network service place. And now it's everywhere on my laptop. I don't understand. Yeah.
0: yeah,
1: it's everywhere. All right. It sounds just like to me, uh, it sounds like a, an order at Starbucks is what when you say all those things. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's,
1: that's what I hear. So. I will
0: be living in the bathroom for the next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, next thing is uh, Stranger Things Pinups Mashup. Yeah, so this I is see. where,
1: in my expertise, <laughs> <laughs> to this. Oh,
0: no, the uh, I just saw
1: this go by the other day, and and uh, it's kind of like we're I, I, depending on when this gets released and edited. I guess depending on your editor, however long he takes. Um, but the in, in gearing up for Christmas and peanuts have a special place in my heart, anyways, for Christmas time, and then but also Stranger Things is oddly uh, the, you know, the smashed Netflix series, anyways, is had a little bit of a holiday vibe to it, despite being about, you know, children dying. And <laughs> oddly enough. So this is a mashup of the two by an artist that I thought it was just kind of like, I saw the little preview clip or whatever on Twitter where it was just like one particular scene, but it actually is a fully fleshed out, three minute long anyways, cartoon uh, with the Stranger Kid, Stranger Things kids in the Peanuts world. So worth checking out if you haven't seen it
0: ever, but, uh, and, and enjoyed Stranger Things. Yeah, I mean, like before Stranger Things the The biggest series on Netflix was Fuller House.
2: <laughs> really? Like,
0: yeah, Fuller House was like just the 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 maximum. Like it's up here, and then because uh, it's it's not offensive. It's you know it's some mm-hmm. of the jokes, you know, New York. But uh,
1: original series, you mean right? The, the original,
0: original series, series right? Yeah. yeah, Fuller House is up here, and then Stranger Things just came by and just like destroyed everything. So it's it's a phenomenon. It's a, it's really interesting, which is. Um, which I, I enjoyed the series. I, I enjoyed the, the the nostalgia of it, but I just felt like it was. There's no soul to it, like if you will. There, there's no like ET to it. There's no um, there's no arch to it. There's archetype or whatever like that. It felt like just a bunch of stuff happening to people, and uh, there's no like saving. There's no no one the more
1: lovable Demogorgon <laughs> or whatever. Yeah,
0: no, it was like I, it could be unlovable for I right here. I was <laughs> uh, I just felt like there was no. I mean, season two will will have it. We'll, we'll answer a lot of things that I uh, found like season one missing, but, uh, but yeah, but I, uh, it's, it was nice. It was a nice thing. And then at uh, this peanuts thing is this priceless, this matchup is this excellent pitch. Perfect. I think it's just, it hits it so well. It's was really well done. So
1: how is say. your, how do you watch a Netflix series? Do you, are you binging it over a weekend as soon as it's released? Or do you try and like
0: sort of pace yourself? Uh, that's a good, great question. Uh, great question, Chris. Uh, I wish much more people ask me that. No, uh, no, uh, it depends on the series. Like, um, I try to binge because uh, I I am a one track person, uh, which is my my weakness and my strength. Is that uh, I I if I'm on a project, I have to finish that project as much as soon as possible, which is great for, for editors, but uh, who want me to get things done real fast. But uh, it's also uh, it's really bad because uh, I can't really get anything else done. Like I can do other things, but it's just not going to be thinking about so i think so i usually try binge watching get it done as as possible the exception that has been recently was the luke cage netflix series was that the luke cage was so well done uh i enjoyed every episode of that that uh we actually uh just took time and just set some time to watch it and like you know when we had a free time to not be disturbed by anything else we just watch it because the soundtrack is beautiful cinematography is beautiful uh the uh, plot was way better than daredevil season two by a mile and uh i really like what they did with the character art arches like i felt like you know you compare stranger things with the character development which is totally unfair and you should not do that whatsoever with the luke cage character development uh i just felt like there was more development with the characters in the luke cage series than would if you wouldn't uh stranger things so um so usually i just try to binge things if, if that's your uh, if that's a point you have i don't point yeah no
1: i'm just curious it's it you know because we're talking about a tv show right now but you know obviously there's the conversation of things being lost in terms of you know using say lost where the show is Mm -hmm. released everybody can talk about an episode for a week and then we watch the next one and we whatever and whereas you know all this kind of like don't spoil it for me because i have i haven't binged yet whereas christopher's binged already and things like that and so um and whatever it is what it is obviously streaming is going to be is the way forward and the netflix model seems to be um the way that we're going to be going, anyways, for a while. It's just, I was just curious, right.
0: what? Well, I don't think, I don't think, I think you'll see what's really disappointing to me right now. In terms of TV is that you have this one uh, interfi- interface, the TV, right, which beamed like you know these waves of TV you know, broadcast into your TV, black and white, now color, and and everyone watched TV the same way, right? And now you have streaming of the internet, uh, just disrupting everything. Totally cool, whatever life happens, um, but now. My TV, in order to view the channel, I've cut the cord, but in order to watch like a, um, a big uh, college f- football fan, but for, for me to watch college football, I had to pay uh, a service, you know, X my money per week. I had to go install apps on my smart TVs. I don't own any smart TVs because my TVs are old. So I had to go and jigger rig things around uh, with like a Chrome TV or a Fire Stick from Amazon or an, an app for my tablets and stuff like that. And that's just one channel. But if I want another channel, I have to go track it down, figure where it's located, and go up there. And so, from having limited choices but one dial for my TV to having so many choices and not being and having to track down, I am pretty okay tracking things down. But for the common person who doesn't want that, that's going to be kind of just super annoying, right? And then also on top of that. Uh, Netflix allows you for binging, but not many other services are allow that. Like Hulu, releases TV shows, but uh, it's one per week in terms of them releasing their own content. And then, um, um, but yeah, but I told you, like, like I can tell you, like my favorite uh, waiting for Doctor Who episode was uh, like five years, like I don't know it was like seven years, six years ago. This is probably the greatest Doctor Who modern story ever. It was a two-parter. Totally, I totally get what you're saying about I can't wait till the next week when the new episode drops and I get to see Doctor Who episode. And it was just so it was such a great story. So awesome. That's pretty much what I thought about the whole entire week as a big nerd. I was like, oh, this I can't wait for the story to, to, to pan out. And it was such a terrible <laughs> story. I, it was so bad. I was like, you set it up so well. This horror like type of Doctor Who story. You set it up so well and then you pulled it out with just this. Just terrible solution. Uh, it was just—it was so bad. But um, so I don't really mind <laughs> like uh, binging because of that, and and uh, just I just—I feel like uh, it's not worth the disappointment, the potential yeah. disappointment. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate being disappointed in my binging. But, um,
2: <laughs> well, your, your description of setting up the TVs reminded me way too much of the JavaScript conversation we just had. It's yeah. getting like
1: generalist specialist in terms of TV configurations. <laughs>
2: it, it was nice yeah. when we went from the dial on the TV to the remote control, but maybe now we've gone too far. I don't know. Yeah,
0: it's like I have like 20 million controls and I have to fine tune each one. And so, and now I need uh, automation to, re- 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 and, and passwords. Controls and passwords. Controls. So, yeah. and, uh, you know, and then I have to write this all down on my will.
2: Oh, jeez. In case I get hit by a bus. So no one I'm, will know how to make TV set work. <laughs> that's terrible.
0: No one makes TV work. Uh, no. that's how I know. That's how we talk around here, too, by the way. Just like, no one makes TV work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, so yeah, speaking of TV, uh, our last topic for today. Unless we need to talk about something else, uh, anyone what is big. Is anyone here a Walking Dead fan? I've held off on getting into it. I I appreciate the
1: the enthusiasm in the world <laughs> for it, and I can understand being addicted to a TV show. I'm very familiar with that feeling, but yeah. that's one I've avoided, not for any real reason other than just my list is full. <laughs> and well, I have like kids bit, in
0: the house too, so, little kids. So it's, oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's it, it, to... Totally understand. Like, but this is uh, there's some talk this week about. Uh, the show being too violent and people stopping to uh, cause the cliffhanger was revealed. And um, and if you wa- you've read the comic books, you know, what was going to happen uh, just because of the walking dead. But uh, I just decided not to, to watch it anymore just cause uh, um, yeah, it, just, it was just too violent. Uh, I just feel like it was being, being manipulative in terms of what was going on. And um, I just, you know, I don't, I don't want that. like Like I said before, like, one track of mine I, I think about the shows uh over a week and I just don't want that carried that kind of negativity or that such a dread if you will of, of the characters that I've been following for so long uh just to be carrying over the week. I have other stuff to do in my life so I don't want to be filled with that sure. and, and so that goes with like if but as soon as the series is over the season's over, I might binge watch it just right. so I can get out get out of my system yeah watch on so yeah.
1: Well, I was going to say, because I remember a similar thing happening periodically with, say, I watched Game of Thrones and yeah. a similar thing where it'd be like, all of a sudden, and I'm delayed watching because of reasons. So mm. I'm I'm seeing like there's this fur over and this anger, like, oh, I'm never watching this thing again and because of this or that and, um, and all things that were justifiable reasons to stop watching a television series. But then it seemed like the next week, all those people were back talking about the show again. So it felt, I don't know yeah. if this is the same thing on the same kind of level with Walking Dead where it's like, oh, this is terrible. I'm never watching yeah. the show again. And then you know, on Sunday night next week or whenever it comes out, they're going to be like popcorn and drink in hand ready to watch just because just to see maybe it'll be better this time.
0: Yeah, well, I, well, I read the comic books to a certain point, And so, like, the, the amount of, like, pain that you're in does not let up at any point. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so it's like, um, so there was a point where, like, um, uh, I just got to, like, spoiler alert. They came across cannibals and they were in deep trouble. But the, and so they were in a cliffhanger, and the cliffhanger was really kind of interesting. Uh, also, they had a character from Star Trek Next Generation playing part of the evil people. So it wasn't that bad. Like, hey, I know that person. That's, I'll watch what, what, what she's in. So, um, and uh, they resolved that within like one episode of coming back. So it went from me, like, oh, I might not be watching it, to they resolved it pretty quick. So if they come back and resolve it next episode, I might be back on board. But that'd be a very dis- uh, disservice to the fans. To resolve this major uh, plot point that they're in right now, so within one episode, so just, I don't see them happening to do that.
2: Yeah, and it's it's interesting too talking about like violence and uh, like binge watching because I like I don't really object to violence in entertainment. The last thing I binge watched was The Sopranos, oh, yeah. and you know there was plenty of violence. There's plenty of manipulation. There were creative cliffhangers. I think maybe handled a little more smoothly actually than most of what i've heard lately about the walking dead but um but because i didn't watch it when i had to wait a week between episodes like my relationship to it was totally different right um and i also because i was watching it old style style netflix off dvds you know i basically had complete control of the whole the whole experience in a way um Mm -hmm. I mean, with streaming, you have control, but with DVDs, well, you can always smash the DVD if you want. It's kind of cool. Um, They would want money for that. But anyway, I just keep feeling like the way we relate to shows is changing. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I I think part of it is that TV has actually gotten better the last few years, Mm -hmm. but uh, I just, I just marvel at how deeply into it people are uh, on a daily basis. Um, It's just, it's grown way more powerful than it was even in, you know, I don't know. I remember talking about the golden age of television was the seventies and I'm like, um, no, (laughs) not so much. I do have the mash, you know, footlocker box of DVDs and that kind of thing. Um, and I can sing the song from all in the family, but, um, the, the intensity of the relationship, even when, you know, not everybody's watching the same thing, when some people are binge watching, some people are watching it week by week, Um, it's just astonishing to watch how deep it goes.
1: Yeah, and conversely, too, on the flip side of I guess is like on the creative side. I like when you're making a show too. Like I remember Lost as a series. They by like they definitely were ahead of the schedule of the releases. Obviously, not making it that week or anything like that. But they weren't finished the season when the first that season had already started airing, and so Mm -hmm. it was. You know, on the creative side, I, I, I don't know how it all works these days, but, you know, there would have been potential for them to adjust plot points based on audience reaction. Whereas, yeah, like a series that's just dropped on Netflix, obviously, there's no redo, there's no updates or version two or <laughs> bug fixes or whatever, as you were. Um, but, and so it just, I, it's interesting that just how that side of the, the whole TV media experience is obviously changing as well, or c- could be changing, I guess. I'm, I'm not in that industry, so I don't know for sure, but you're back. Yeah.
0: Yes, I had a uh, UPS. I had to sign for it.
1: So, Oh, exciting. So debating wow. whether it was the uh, Peanuts Christmas box set or, or the
0: Stranger <laughs> of
2: Things box set. Oh, it was
0: actually the M- Mashed Locker set. It was kind of weird. <laughs> oh, really good. <laughs> yeah, Amazon Primed it as soon as he said.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, can you get it here?" Wow, <laughs> same 10-minute delivery now. They've gotten, they've gotten
0: good. Amazon Prime, I'll pay the five bucks. Can you get it here? here now? Uh, yeah, yeah, so, um, where, so we're... Talk about pixelation for old TV shows or is that what <laughs> well, we're I was just about? saying how my kids don't,
1: don't really complain when we watch say peanuts Christmas or whatever, about like it's on an HDTV, but they're, it's obviously pixely and stuff. They haven't yeah. updated it. I hope. <laughs> and, uh, and they don't really complain or notice or, or say anything, but
2: I mean, my love like Rudolph, the red nosed reindeer, which, you know, you look at it from the perspective of today's animation is really just, Whoa, what were they thinking?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It uh, yeah, seemed like the Frosty the Snowman one, I think, is similar to where it's like that sort of weird animation eats stuff, but it looks really bad on, <laughs> on
0: right. TV. But yeah. But somehow yeah. it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've been trying. To, I never was able to watch Robotech growing up. Uh, it was like this. It was like this. Uh, where where I was raised, it was like this, like, we had to go travel to someone's house in another state and we could watch maybe a Robotech episode or something like that. And to me, it was always this futuristic looking great TV show, you know, anime, whatever, whatever. And I was just like, oh, one day I would love to watch it. And so now it's on you know, Netflix or Hulu or whatever. And I had this big HD TV and it stretched out and it looks, <laughs> it doesn't look that great. And I just like, it's part of the childhood just like died. It's like, <laughs> oh man, they actually made it like twice as big. It might be, you know, but, but why, why would they have like, cause the, the resolutions they didn't, they didn't have to, but you know, but uh, but yeah, anyway, so that makes me so well. And actually, I've been researching a project. Uh, this is totally uh, boring to everyone else, but the research project were to uh, uh, broadcast uh, TV singles locally and get an old TV and just see how uh, the TV singles look locally so that where you just like so you don't have to like stream an internet TV or whatever, whatever, sure. like a so, pirate radio so. TV. By my, my own pirate team. My, well, like, is it pirate if it's just for you? I don't understand. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So, but, uh, but yeah, just because like, because um, the this project was guy who, who collects old TVs, but there's no way he can connect, uh, like plug into old TVs because they they weren't designed for you know, uh, plugs in the back. They just were designed for channel surfing, and so, but he wanted to watch like modern TV shows, on his old TVs, and so he actually had to come up with a system of broadcasting uh, RF signals. To, uh, to the CVs so, so I was like oh that's pretty sweet oh, so I'm going to try to do that at some point when I'm retired or something. I cool uh, that's about it for, for us is any any other closing thoughts or words or
1: no I think that's uh, that's good for me I, The that's a lot of words on on things I understand and things I don't so kind of, <laughs> I've, I've, I've used my
2: limit up <laughs> okay cool all right Sorry. the world just keeps moving really fast so i all right Trying to keep up. All
0: right, cool. So where where can people
1: find you online, Chris? Uh, I'm iChris on on Twitter, and uh, ChrisNs.com is where I blogged back when I remembered how to use WordPress.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Simon?
2: I'm uh, Simon St. L, S-I-M-O-N-S-T-L on Twitter, and Hmm. uh, SimonStL.com, where I was until my RSS feeds all broke. But yes, (laughs) you can still find me there.
0: Well, we should also say, like, the last time you were on here, you were... Working for a previous company, and then yes, you have a new job at uh, Lynda.com. But then right. Lynda.com got bought by LinkedIn.com.
2: Right. Well, LinkedIn right. bought them like two years ago. So I'm, okay. I'm I'm showing up late for that party. But now LinkedIn, okay. in theory, if everything goes smoothly, will become part of Microsoft by the end of the year.
0: Okay, gotcha. Hence
2: the, all of my uh, disclaimers and such.
1: Okay, gotcha. Yes. Yeah. So so we won't okay. be able to complain about Skype anymore if.
2: No, you can complain about Skype all you want. It's good. (laughs) Good.
0: (laughs) Dodge a bullet there. Okay. Cool. Well, thanks, guys, for for being on the show and appreciate it.
2: Great. Thank you very much.